listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And if you would like to follow along as you listen to today's podcast, you can go over to Tan Books and buy your own four volumes. And when you use the code PODCAST15 at checkout, you will save 15% off. And if you would like to discuss today's readings with other people who are listening and following along, go over and join the Facebook group Mystical City of God in your podcast. And there you can discuss with others the insights you've gleaned from today's readings. Today is day 51. And today we are reading from book two of chapter two, paragraphs 436 to 443. 436. The sovereign child, being thus attired in the court dress of the divinity, then celebrated a more glorious and marvelous espousal than ever could enter the mind of the highest cherubim and seraphim. For the Most High accepted her as his sole and only spouse and conferred upon her the highest dignity which can befall a creature. He deposited within her his own divinity in the person of the Word, and with it all the treasures of grace befitting such eminence. Meanwhile, the most humble among the humble was lost in the abyss of love, and wonder which these gifts, which these benefits and favors caused in her, and in the presence of the Lord she spoke, Most High King and incomprehensible God, who art thou, and who am I, that thy condescension should look upon me, who am dust, unworthy of such mercy? In thee, my Lord, as in a clear mirror, seeing thy immutable being, I behold and understand without error my lowliness and vileness. I admire thy immensity and, de- and deprecate my nothingness. At the sight of thee I am annihilated and lost in astonishment that the infinite majesty should stoop to so lowly a worm who can merit my only oblivion and contempt of all the creatures. O Lord, my only good, how art thou magnified and exalted in this deed? What marvel dost thou cause through me and thy angelic spirits who understand thy infinite bounty, magnificence, and mercy in raising up from the dust her who in it is poor, and placing her among the princes, Psalm one twelve seven, I accept thee, O my king, and my lord as my spouse, and I offer thee as thy slave. Let not my understanding attend to any other object, nor my memory hold any other image, nor my will seek other object or pleasure than thee, my highest good, my true and only love. Let not my eyes look upon human creature, nor my faculties and senses attend upon anything beside thee. And whatever thy majesty shall direct, thou alone for thy spouse, my beloved, and she for thee only, who art the immutable and eternal good. 437. The Most High received with ineffable pleasure this consent of the sovereign princess to enter into the new espousal with her most holy soul, and upon his true spouse and as his mistress of all creation, he now lavished upon her all the treasures of his grace and power, instructing her to ask for whatever she desired and assuring her that nothing would ever be denied her. The most humble dove at once proceeded to beseech the Lord with the most burning charity to send his only begotten to the world as a remedy for mortals that all men be called to the true knowledge of his divinity, that her natural parents, Jochum and Anne, receive an increase 
of the loving gifts of his right hand, that the poor and afflicted be consoled and comforted in their troubles, and that in herself be fulfilled the pleasure of the divine will. These were some of the more expressed petitions addressed by the new spouse on this occasion to the Blessed Trinity. And all the angelic hosts sang new songs of admiration and praise of the Most High, while those appointed by His Majesty, midst heavenly music, bore back the Holy Child from the Empyrean heaven to the place in the temple from which they had brought her. 438. In order to commence at once and to put into practice what she had promised in the presence of the Lord, she betook herself to her instructress and offered her all that her mother, St. Anne, had left for her comfort and sustenance, with the exception of a few books and clothes. She requested her to give it to the poor or use it for any other purpose according to her pleasure, and that she command and direct her what she was to do, the discreet matron, who was, as I have already said, the prophetess Anne, by divine impulse accepted and approved of the offering of this beautiful child and dismissed her entirely poor and stripped of everything except the garments which she wore. She resolved to take care of her in a special manner as one destitute and poor, for the other maidens each possessed their spending money, and a certain sum assigned and destined for their wedding apparel, and for other necessities according to their inclinations. 4.39. The holy matron, having first consulted the high priest, also gave to the sweetest child a rule of life. By thus despoiling and resigning herself, the queen and mistress of creation obtained a complete freedom and detachment from all creatures and from her own self, neither possessing nor desiring anything except only the most ardent love of God and her own abasement and humiliation. I confess my great ignorance, my vileness, and my insignificance, which make me entirely unworthy to explain such supernal and hidden mysteries. For where the expert tongues of the wise and the science and the love of the highest cherubim and the seraphim are compelled to be mute, what can a useless and abject woman say? I know how much such an attempt would offend against the greatness of these mysteries, if obedience furnished no excuse. But even in obeying I tremble, and I fear that what I omit and am ignorant of is the greater, and what I know and say is the more insignificant part of all the mysteries and the doings of this city of God, the Most Holy Mary. Instruction of the Most Holy Virgin Mary. 440. My daughter, among the great and ineffable favors of the Omnipotent in the course of my life, was the one which thou hast just learned and described. For by this clear vision of the divinity, and in the incomprehensible essence I acquired, Knowledge of the most hidden sacraments and mysteries, and in the adornment and espousal, I received incomparable blessings and felt the sweetest workings of the divinity in my spirit. My desire to take the four vows of poverty, obedience, chastity, and closure pleased the Lord very much, and I merited thereby that the God-fearing in the church and in the law of grace are drawn to live under these vows, as is the custom in the present time. This was the beginning of that which you religious practice now, fulfilling the words of David in the 44th Psalm. After her shall virgins be brought to the king. For the Lord ordained that my aspirations be the foundation of religious life and of the evangelical law. I fulfilled entirely and perfectly all that I proposed to the Lord, as far as was possible in my state of life. Never did I look upon the face of a man, not even on that of my husband Joseph, nor on the angels." When they appeared to me in human form, though I saw and knew them all in God, 
Never did I incline toward any creature rational or irrational, nor toward any human operation or tendency. But in all things I was governed by the Most High, either directly by himself or indirectly through the obedience to which I freely subjected myself. 441. Do not forget, my dearest, that the religious state is consecrated and ordained by the Most High for maintaining the doctrine of Christian perfection and the close imitation of the life of my son, and that, therefore, the souls who in religious life are sunk in sleepy forgetfulness of their high blessings lead a life more listless and lax than many worldly men are objects of great wrath of the Lord, and a severe judgment and chastisement await them than others." The demon also, ancient and astute serpent as he is, uses more diligence in his attempts to overcome religious men and women than to conquer all the rest of worldly men. And if one of these religious fall, all hell exerts the greatest solicitude and care to prevent his using the many means which religion affords for rising from a fall, such as obedience and holy exercises, and the frequent use of the sacraments. To make all these remedies miscarry and be of no use to the fallen religious, the enemy applies so many cunning snares that it would fill with terror anyone who saw them. However, much of this is recognized in the actions and artifices by which a lax religious soul tries to defend his remissness, excusing it by specious arguments, if it does not break out in disobedience and yet greater disorders and faults. 4.42 Be careful, therefore, my daughter, and fear so dreadful a danger, by divine assistance of grace, raise thyself above thyself, never permitting thy will to consent to any disorderly affection or movement. I wish thee to consume thyself in dying to thy passions, and in becoming entirely spiritualized, so that having extinguished within thee all that is of earth, thou mayest come to lead an angelic life and conversation. In order to deserve the name of spouse of Christ, thou must pass beyond the limits in the sphere of a human being, and ascend to another state and divine existence. Although thou art earth, thou must be a blessed earth, without the thorns of passion, one whose fruit is all for the Lord its master. If thou hast for thy spouse that supreme and mighty Lord, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Consider it beneath thy dignity to turn thy eyes, and much more thy heart, towards such vile slaves as are the human creatures. For even the angels love and respect thee for the dignity of spouse of the Most High. If even among men it is held to be a daring and boundless insolence and a plebeian to cast longing eyes upon the spouse of a prince, what a crime would it be to cast them on the spouse of the heavenly and omnipotent king? And it would not be a smaller crime if she herself would receive and consent to such familiarity. Consider and assure thyself that the punishment reserved for this sin is inconceivably terrible. I do not show it to thee visibly, lest thou perish in thy weakness. I wish that for thee my instruction suffice to urge thee to fulfillment of, of all I admonish, and to imitate me as my disciple, as far as thy powers go. Be also solicitous in recalling this instruction to the mind of thy nuns, and in seeing that they live up to it. 443. My mistress and my most kind queen, in the joy of my soul I listen to thy sweetest words, so full of spirit and of life, and I wish to inscribe them in the interior of my heart, together with the graces of thy most holy Son, which I beseech thee to obtain for me. If thou give me permission, I will speak in thy presence as an ignorant disciple with her mistress and teacher. I desire, O my mother and protectress, 
Though I am unworthy and remiss to fulfill the four vows of my profession according to thy commands and according to my obligation, though I am so unworthy and remiss therein, yet I beseech thee, give me a more full instruction, which may serve me as a guide and direction in the fulfillment of this duty, and as a complement of these vows, which thou hast placed in my heart. This concludes our reading today for day 51. We've read today from Book 2, Chapter 2, Paragraphs 436 to 443. Mary in her conversation with the Trinity, I accept thee, O my King and my Lord, as my spouse, and I offer myself as thy slave. Let not my understanding attend to any other object, nor my memory hold any other image, nor my will seek any other object or pleasure than thee, my highest good, my true and only love. And this is a prayer that a religious would make, that they want everything in their life as a religious sister to be pure so that they might seek only the Lord. But we can ask the Lord to purify our intentions and our desires that in whatever relationships, whatever vocation God has called us, that everything that we do, that it might always have that aim of eternal life. And so we ask the Lord to help us to always keep our eyes focused on heaven in every relationship that we have. We ask the Lord to keep our eyes focused on that goal of eternity so that everything we say and we do might always lead us closer to him and not push us further away from him. The Most High received with an effable pleasure this consent of the sovereign princes. As upon his true spouse, he now lavished upon her all the treasures of his grace and power, instructing her to ask for whatever she desired and assuring her that nothing would ever be denied her. Now, this is something that we say in the Memorari. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was ever left unaided. And so we're hearing that never would Mary be denied. That's an interesting thing because maybe you've prayed a Hail Mary and you've prayed for an intention and maybe you didn't get that expected outcome. Well, think about the words of the Memorari. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was never left unaided. That when we ask the intercession of Mary, she will give us aid. The aid might not necessarily be what we request. This is what happens with all types of prayer. God might be mediating through Mary a grace to us to be able to be strengthened in whatever we're facing, that they're helping us in some other way than giving us what it is that we have asked. So that God would nothing ever be denied of her. So God would hear Mary, wouldn't deny her. And so God is listening to the prayers of Mary. God is listening to her intercession for us. And so what she asks is not being denied a hearing. And then, but... What I think, too, as we see in what Mary asks for, she asked for this. The most humble dove that once proceeded to beseech the Lord with the most burning charity to send his only begotten to the world as a remedy for mortals, that all men be called to the true knowledge of his divinity, that her natural parents, Jochum and Anne, receive an increase of the loving gifts of his right hand, that the poor and afflicted be consoled and comforted in their troubles, so forth and so on. And so for her, her petitions are very much other-focused. It's all about being in line with the will of God. And so when we offer our prayers of petition, we say, Lord, let your will be done. 
Let me know what your will is. Let me realize it. Let me be able to accept it. And so this is one of the things I think as we hear that, asking her that nothing would ever be denied of her. And so we know that she does pray for us and that we are never left unaided by her prayers of intercession. What an interesting instruction that the Blessed Virgin Mary gave to Venerable Maria of Agreda today, telling her that really there are greater expectations for the religious. Don't live a lackadaisical life because there is greater expectations. And isn't that what Jesus taught? To whom much is given, much will be expected. And so there is this, this judgment that the Blessed Virgin says that will come for those who uh, are living a life of Christian perfection, but are kind of not doing it wholeheartedly. It's probably a good reminder to pray for religious, that they might have a good fervor, that they might remain faithful in their life and to their vows and to their promises as they seek God, as they live their love for the Lord and wish to be with him for all eternity. Finally, we heard today that Mary says, I wish that for thee my instructions suffice to urge thee to the fulfillment of all I admonish and to imitate me as my disciple, as far as thy powers go. Now, in the church today, there's a lot of talk about discipleship. And, you know, Bishop Ricken of the Diocese of Green Bay says a disciple is a friend and a follower of Jesus. And so that friend and follower that knows Jesus, and he worships Jesus, and he shares Jesus, he follows Jesus. So, so that's what a disciple is. And Mary here is saying, I want you to be my disciple. So then we're disciples of Jesus and we're disciples of Mary. And Mary is taking Maria of Agreda and saying, I want you to be a student in my school. I'm going to help you to live your religious life. And everything I told you, the Blessed Mother says, go tell your nuns so that they might persevere in grace, that they might deepen their love, that they might not fall away. And so to be a disciple of Mary, to sit at the feet of the master. That's what a disciple is. So Jesus was the master. And so to sit at the feet of Jesus, and now we as children of Mary, we sit at her feet as her children. And so maybe we don't call her a master, but we call her our mother. And so our mother wants to impart wisdom to us as we live the Christian life, because what's the goal of our heavenly mother, who is our mother in the order of grace? Well, she wants the kingdom of heaven for us. And that's why she's giving us these instructions. And that's why we're reading this book, all four volumes, 2,600 plus pages, so that we might learn from Mary the ways of God. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading The Mystical City of God. And I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. I'm so honored that you listen today. And I pray that God will bless you and that Mary will pray for you and that she'll never leave you unaided.